Welcome to Postcast tonight. David Locke along with Ron Boone. He'll be here in a second, I promise. Why, look, there he is. All of a sudden, I just showed up. Emerging. Uh, we have a really, really cool job. So not only do we get to call basketball games, but the other thing that we have that's really cool is that we have been granted from our front office and our coaching staff great access. Mm-hmm. And we are very appreciative of it. Because, frankly, it allows us to do our job much better than we would otherwise and relay to fans what's going on. Tonight might be a night where when I get home, I might drop a note to Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder thanking them for the access. Because seeing the game plan at shoot-around today allowed me to broadcast this game and understand how brilliant the game plan was and the Jazz players were in executing that game plan. You're absolutely right. And I hope you tell them I'm thankful as well. You know, I've been going to shoot arounds for many, many years. Uh, but we're getting so much stuff now that really helps our listeners, I think, understand what the Jazz want or trying to do out there on the floor. A lot of times it doesn't work. Why? Because other coaches are smart as well. They have they have game plans. But it, this, is, uh, this is the nature of our of our job and it's it's really helping us but it also helps us our fans i think understand what's going on you were on tv while i was doing radio tonight let me just open it up wide before i give all my thoughts what jumped out to you about tonight uh strictly the uh, uh, right away i think in that first quarter you could tell it was going to be a shootout and who's going to win at the end and i think the jazz ball movement and the open shots that they were getting uh, that extra pass that they were making gave them good looks. Now, if those good looks were coming and they weren't falling, it wasn't because of the game plan. It was be- it, it would have been because it was just poor shooting. But the Jazz answered every bell. I mean, the, 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 the shots were falling, the threes were falling, and, and I was very impressed with that. Now, it wasn't just the starters. You know, the bench got 53 points. The bench was, what, it was 21 for 40. So they stepped right in and got the job done as well. Well, there were two guys on the bench I thought were really great tonight. One was Howell Neto. He yes. just continues. And the other was Alec Burks. Alec Burks, we have gotten to the point where he has to have 16 points for us to talk about having a good game. Yeah. Tonight might have been one of my more favorite games by him because he didn't. He didn't force the game. He played mm-hmm. inside the team. He play, He moved the ball. And he's got this new little stop and pop in the middle of the lane that's a very different shot than he's ever had before. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really a nice shot. I, I just tip of the hat to A.B. because he came off a road trip that was enough to probably make you want to go home and <laughs> climb in a corner and sleep in the closet. And he has bounced back with two really nice games. The big picture thing, Ron, is this team is churning offensively at a very high level. There's a chance that as brutal as the Rudy Gobert injury is to this team, and maybe as brutal as the Joe Johnson injuries, they have discovered something a little bit about who they are. I think it's almost the team Quinn wishes he always has had, this spread wide open. They're shooting 40% of their shots as threes. They're knocking them down. The ball movement's awesome. Their offense, and they haven't played great defensive teams yet, but their offense in the last eight games has got to be about top five in the league. I look at their offense, and, and I'm looking at that field goal percentage as a team at 47, almost 48%. That tells me that they're scoring, and, and they're scoring in areas that they want to score in. Uh, but defensively, are they able to stop anyone? Well, not so. as well as they'd like to, but so that's going to, you know, yeah. so now when Gobert comes back, can I'm they so, add a defensive well, element well, to it? I'm him? sorry, I was talking about Milwaukee. Oh, 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 I'm a sorry. A team is, 40, is 47%. But you, you, you're touching on something there that 
uh, as you mentioned, Quinn is. This is probably what he envisioned. He would like a team to be, um, because we hear him talk about breaking the paint all the time, and we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of breaking the paint. We're seeing that extra ball movement, that skip pass. Donovan Mitchell threw a skip pass tonight that was just unbelievable because it had pace to it. It had velocity to the point where he got there. Tabo, he had a chance to, and because he doesn't get his threes off too quickly, but he had a chance to get it and you know shoot the basketball. Jazz go 18 of 32 from three, which was a franchise record. Uh, we have a few Milwaukee Bucks fans that have tuned into this and are commenting, and they're not so happy with their head coach. I would say, and, and we're biased, this matchup the last three times they've matched up does feel like a mismatch. It does feel like Quinn is taking advantage of a defensive system that Milwaukee has that must work some of the time but doesn't work against Quinn. They, they, they're particularly aggressive on the ball. They even brought two guys to Ricky Rubio at times off the pick and roll, which we have not seen all year. Mm -hmm. They overshift as dramatically as any team does in the league, and the Jazz were well prepared for it and took advantage of that. And and that's what I meant by the ball movement uh, and and moving your bodies, getting to the open spots, which means that now with with the help defense or the the rotation that that, uh, Milwaukee was trying to use, they had a lot of ground to cover to to close out. And so that's what I meant by the Jazz getting those – uncontested shots that to the point where they had plenty of time to find the seams and knock them down. And you can't give uh, Joe Ingles that much time to get his threes off. And Joe Ingles had a career-high regular season career-high with nine assists on He was really passing it. Yeah, I, I, when I looked up, he had eight, and I'm thinking, boy, he, he is really doing the job. I mean, he's as comfortable now as we've ever seen. And you start thinking back to his first year in the league, and you're wondering, Okay, why did they sign this guy? Because he was playing scared. Uh, last year, it kind of came out of a shell. This year, he's a leader. He really is. And five of eight from three tonight. Donovan Mitchell tied a rookie record with six threes tonight. He really, 24 points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals, one turnover. He, he got his legs back and looked like Donovan Mitchell, and he just jumps off the floor. I mean, when, you, when you are a 21-year-old rookie... And you jump off the floor. I mean, I talk about college players. You should be able to watch a college game and immediately know within two minutes who the NBA player is. If you don't, he's probably not an NBA player. It is pretty exceptional to jump off the floor of an NBA game. There there are players that come into the league that are impact players. And you know right away that they're going to make an impact on the game uh, because of who they are. They got size. They got strength. They got just have that game. I didn't expect what I'm seeing out of out of Donovan Mitchell. I'm thinking that this this year is his development year. You know, this you don't see this kind of play in the first year of a 13th pick in the draft because you you, you just he's, he just didn't come out at me as being that impact player. But boy, he is he's a scorer. I mean, he he's he's he can get the job done every night. I'm trying to uh, – I get a little nervous talking about individual players tonight. I really didn't feel like it was an individual I, – I, I don't want to talk about individual players. I don't feel like it was an individual player night. It was really a group effort that gained momentum as the night went on. Uh, I don't understand your question. I, I thought that they played as a group, and as the night went on, they played more and more and more and more as a group. So to single out an individual – individual players feels very contradictory to the night that I watched. Now, I'm not saying that, well, maybe I am, but the last three ball games where the Jazz have been able to blow teams off, I mean, it, it, 
off the floor, everyone starts to get involved. When things are going well, it seems like everybody gets can get into the rhythm of the game and they can make some things happen and uh, and, and and get the job done. And I think I've we, we've seen that in in a ball game when they blew Chicago off the floor. But tonight was a little different story because this was not a blowout game. Well, the this first two teams they blew out are bad. Right. Orlando's right. lost eight in a row and Chicago's right. terrible. Correct. But tonight was something different. And this is why this, I think this ball game was, just, uh, was special, especially because, as I just mentioned, 53 points off the bench with, uh, with, with players is scoring tonight. There's a long way to go in the season, and the Jazz December schedule is murderous. And, I mean, there's a real chance the Jazz could play well and lose like 13 or 14 games and, and end the season where we know it. But what's also weird that's going on is we are eerily close to being, if you include the Jazz, to only nine potential playoff teams in the Western Conference. There are, And the Thunder lost to Dallas tonight and trailed by 26 at one point in time. The, if the season ended tonight, the Jazz are in the playoffs again. I mean, they're the eighth team in the playoffs in 9-11. and 11. I can't really believe that the Lakers are this good. Maybe I should. 20 games is the fourth-best defensive team. is not an anomaly, so you probably have to give them credit for where they are. But if you don't buy into the Lakers, we're down to nine teams if you hold the Jazz into it. And you have to wonder at some point what the Thunder are going to do. Everyone likes to say, well, they'll turn it around the turn. They're clearly not enjoying this at all as a group. They're 20 games in, and Paul George is a free agent at the end of the year. I guess they got Russ signed, but you have to wonder if at some point they don't pick up the phone and say to the Lakers, like, do you want him, and what do we get? And what cap space do you need to clear, and we'll take Julius Randle, or we'll take whatever it is, and then you can get your other max player to go with Paul George next year. And then I don't know, maybe that makes Oklahoma City better. I doubt it unless they move Carmelo. Uh, So it's an interesting situation in the West where, you know, I don't know. The war of attrition in the West is something we certainly did not anticipate. Well, two things. One, Oklahoma City. Who do they blame it on before they – Well, Billy they, Donovan will get fired before yeah, they – Right. Before right, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. If I, I don't actually – I'm pretty certain I don't think it's Billy Donovan's fault, but uh, I understand where you're heading with that. Yeah. And so the other thing is it's, it's the question, and you really have – is there parity in the West that – or is there parity in the league now that teams are – so close to each other I mean I'm, you're looking at Cleveland and, and Golden State and San Antonio you know and Houston you know for sure they're a step above everybody else or maybe two steps but the rest of the league it, it, is it parity we'll see Minnesota has a negative point differential at this point of the season New Orleans is 11 and 9 they have a negative point differential Denver comes in here on Tuesday. They're 11 and 8. The Jazz are 9 11. The Lakers are 8 and 11. The Thunder are 8 and 11. Memphis has lost seven in a row. They're 7 and 12. The Clippers are losing to Sacramento right now with Beverly done for the season. They're likely to. I mean, it is, it, is, it is really strange. But let me point out December for the Jazz is brutal. Rudy has started doing some on floor work. So he's moving progressively right direction, but there's still a long way to go. But these last few games and the offensive prowess the Jazz have found in the last eight games does give you a little hope that they may be able to maintain this better than we thought two weeks ago. Well, hopefully. You know, hopefully, and, and you can see that they're enjoying playing together. They're enjoying pushing the, play, they're pushing the basketball, the, uh, passing the basketball. And I tell you what, as long as you're making shots off of this offense, I mean, the players are just going to enjoy it more and more. That's what they're doing. Defensively, they've always, you know, held their own there. But this is not supposed to be a very good shooting team. And we're seeing something a little different. 
Final question of the night, and we'll talk with that more because I think these guys are figuring out how to play together, and that's making them a better shooting team. Uh, Caleb Whitworth wants to know what your favorite tie pattern is. Oh, my favorite tie pattern? You know, I really don't have one, and, and uh, I think in the last 10 years I've become a tie lover, uh, and I like ties that stand out, uh, and that's what I look for. You know, and, and every place I go out of town, other than Salt Lake, and I'm not just – Salt Lake, uh, well, forget that. We got bad I, ties. Yeah, I buy. I buy we have a, a bad tie game. <laughs> I buy a lot of my neckwear out of out of state, and and, and usually I, you know, go. Are you trying to, to say that maybe the clientele is a bit conservative in this town? Th- that's for their what I'm, I'm. I'm not trying. I'm. I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that, I know, just said that. it for you. <laughs> but appreciate the. Call. You want my bad joke of the night yes. on the air? Yeah. So I said that if Jason Kidd had faced Quinn Snyder when they were both college players, it would have been equal to what <laughs> Quinn Snyder coaching against Jason Kidd is like. <laughs> See ya. Well, you don't realize how big that scoreboard is. Look at that. It's huge. And they just took out a little.